Well, gentlemen, welcome to another week of the show. How y'all doing? Pretty great. Glad to be back. Doing all right. Glad to be back. Excellent, yeah. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure, indeed. Well, we've made it into episode four. I didn't think we would do it. I didn't think we'd make it this far. I'd never <laughs> commit to anything for this long. <laughs> it's too much. Is too this much. the breakup episode, Louis? This is it. It's almost Valentine's <laughs> Day. It's time to start getting serious. <laughs> oh, good. Very good. Well, I have to tell you guys, I have very much enjoyed so far how our conversations have gone. I made it to Mass yesterday, and for sure, um, had a lot to judge the priest on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's getting worse. Is this supposed to be about judging? <laughs> is this what this, uh, this show has become a matter of judging? Yes, it's true. <laughs> yeah, no, it was good. Last week's stuff, conversation was very helpful for me, uh, preparing for yesterday. Um, but this week, good readings, I think, as I prayed with them. Um, do you guys have a chance to sit down with them? Yeah. Louis? Did yes, I did. <laughs> I thought Jonathan was going to launch into something. Uh, yes. Yeah. They're pretty great good, readings. Yeah. Very good. I didn't have as much time to sit with them as I did last week, so you'll have to forgive me, and I'll, I'll, I'll springboard off of some of your guys' ideas, I'm sure. Um, I had a few thoughts of what stood out to me as I did sit with them a little bit, but I want to hear from you guys first. Louis, can you, uh, can you walk me through a little bit what, what stood out to you the most this week? Yeah, I think right away, just looking at them, the reading from Jeremiah, cursed is the one who trusts in human beings. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that. Uh, yeah, depending on my mood or the time of day or whatever community meeting I'm leaving, yeah, cursed is the one who trusts in human beings. Uh, no, I think um, there's something to that, that if we're putting all of our trust in human beings or in the things of the world then uh, we're, automa- we're going to be disappointed in the end. And in the gospel, we see a little bit of that too, that you know, Jesus is in, in Luke introducing the Beatitudes. And uh, blessed are those who are poor, blessed are those who are hungry, blessed are those who are weeping, blessed are those who are scorned. That it's sometimes the things that we don't expect that actually result in uh, us needing God or knowing our need for God. So when we're poor, we know our need for God. And uh, the opposite would be riches and honor and pride, which is what we so often build up for our own security. So I think cursed is the one who trusts in human beings does make sense to me because blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. So, yeah, that's that's good. So you're picking up on, I think, uh, one central theme that stood out to me is just the tension between blessing and cursing. Like right. That seems to be a basic theme throughout the readings this week. Did you notice that too, Jonathan? Yeah, you know, one of the things... So I love the Gospel of Luke. This might come out especially next week because that's probably my favorite part of the Gospel of Luke. And the thing that I really like about Luke's Beatitudes um, is that it's not blessed are those who are hungry. It's blessed are you. Blessed are you who are now weeping, for you will laugh. And then the corresponding, woe to you who are filled now, for you will be hungry. And so I think Luke is definitely picking up on these very important um, distinctions between not just, you know, the poor, whoever they might be. (laughs) Um, No, it's blessed are you. You are, you know, you are poor, you are blessed, you are loved. And if you're not seeing that, well, woe to you. Mm -hmm. Uh, if you're trusting in men, if you're trusting in pride, etc., woe to you. 
Um, so yeah, I def and I, I'm wondering, and this is the first time that I'm noticing these these connections between the Beatitudes and this first reading from Jeremiah, because I'll be honest, I do kind of struggle with the Beatitudes at times because they do kind of end up being this, you know, just kind of abstract, nebulous, oh, blessed are those out there who theoretically are poor, you know, we're supposed to love them, so love mm -hmm. the poor, okay, done without having an actual experience of those who suffer. Uh, and so I, I was very struck by this reading from Jeremiah and the image of the tree. Like, are we being planted and going and stretching out for the stream? Are we, are we fearing when the heat comes or are we resilient to it? Um, so it's putting it, I think, more into a personal, um, a personal experience of Am I actually going out of my way to experience the blessings and the woes that come up? Yeah, I'm really struck by this reading from Jeremiah, and I'm wondering if it's if, if this image of the tree is a better way of not a better way, but a a good way of actually interpreting the Beatitudes. Hmm. So, like the as you're saying, Jonathan. So, like the Beatitudes would describe describe like the poor are the ones who are planted near running water. Is that what you're saying? Like the Beatitudes describe the quality of the trees. Well, not even necessarily, you know, the, uh, what does Luke say? The poor, blessed, blessed are you who are poor, blessed are you who are hungry, weeping, and blessed are you when people hate you. So not necessarily even those people, but me as the reader, when I'm seeing that, because if I never interact with people that are suffering, this passage is really going to fall flat for me. But if I notice myself from the perspective of Jeremiah, who desires to be like a tree planted beside waters, you know, desiring that nourishment, then I think maybe that then, then that that will help me to see, okay, well, there are suffering people all around mm. me and I'm not just, you know, an island unto myself to branch out into the communal aspect of right. our faith. So insofar as you remain planted near running streams, you are able to see the poor in a, in a new way. Yeah. And, you know, and especially because... And this is why I love this part from Jeremiah, you know, precisely because it fears not the heat when it comes. Uh, because when the heat comes, then we know especially that we need to reach for that water. And if the heat never comes, then why do I need grace? Why do I need love? Yeah, I think it's a radical approach to suffering in a way because it's not saying that suffering is an illusion like we hear in some other faiths or philosophies. And it's not saying that suffering is to be denied or even worked through, but that suffering is a part of your reality. It is a part of the fullness of life. And you won't get to experience life in its fullness unless you have suffering in a real sense of how to embrace it, how to live with it, and what is going to sustain you through it. That, that's why the rich are sad, woe to you rich, uh, in in the gospel is because Jesus is saying you've relied so much on your money that when suffering does come, you won't know what to rely on. When your money is taken away, you won't know what to turn to. Hmm. As opposed to those who are suffering now, like the weeping, the hungry, the poor, those who hate you, that's tremendous suffering. That's the heat coming to them right now. That experience of heat, like you're saying, Jonathan, gives them an experience of needing to reach out for running water, right? And they, and we know that experience of when we are experiencing suffering, 
it's an opportunity to have empty hands, right? To be able to receive and to reach out to the Lord. So one thing I want to just add really quick uh, to maybe help this a little bit. I, I, I would wonder if you guys at all could read these readings in connection with last week. So so when I think about this, I, I was caught as you were, Jonathan, uh, sorry, Louis, to begin with, of the blessing and the curses. And then connecting that with what you're saying, Jonathan, about speaking to you, you the reader. Well, so last week we talked a lot about discipleship, you know, the call of Isaiah and the call of Paul and the call of Peter. And I can't help but wonder, like, are we being shown the conditions for discipleship mm-hmm. here? Um, that to be a disciple, there will be suffering. You will be poor. You will be hated. But, but if you are to grow as a tree planted near running streams, then you need to reach out for living water, which is the Lord. And woe to you, disciple, if you put your trust in yourself and if you put your trust in men, if you put your trust in, you know, institutions, woe to you, but blessed are you when they revile you because it will be then that you're most like me. Like Jesus says in the gospel, like if they hated me first, you know, if they hate you, know that they hated me first. So the conditions on discipleship, what do you, what do you think about that? I think there's a lot there. And if you continue reading the gospel of Luke, even just two verses later, it gets into love your enemies. And if someone strikes you on the cheek, give them the other one as well. If someone steals your cloak, offer your shirt as well. So I think that these beatitudes, blessed are the the poor, signify that once you acknowledge that suffering and your need for God, the response of the true disciple is to be even more generous, that the call of discipleship is generosity. And so we see that in Jesus's own life by his example, that he chooses to embrace suffering and generously give and give and give and give to the point of the cross. And so we too are called to that radical generosity that not only is it just about acknowledging suffering, but the suffering has to go somewhere. And ultimately it leads to the cross, which is not the final word in Christianity, that the cross then leads to new life. Well, that's why the reading from Corinthians is paired this week, I think. You know, Pope Benedict has that great line that the difference between justice and charity, that justice is giving to somebody what belongs to them, but charity is going a step further and giving to somebody what belongs to me. Uh, And so we can't, and Jesus never does this. He doesn't just end with the Beatitudes, just like you're saying, Louis, our next week's readings are all about the radical love, the taking it that step further and being rooted in the resurrection, just like St. Paul says, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is vain and you are still in your sins. So it doesn't matter how many good deeds we're doing. If, if we're not focused on the resurrection, on the risen Lord, then all of that, to use last week's readings, is just a pile of fish. <laughs> a pile of fish? Who says that? I've never heard anybody say that. Me. I love that. Me. That was my sign-off for my husband. Oh, was it really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. So connecting to resurrection, Jonathan, I want you to say some more about that because in the Beatitudes, there's a particular one, you know, blessed are those if they denounce you uh, on account of the Son of Man. So already, even in the Beatitude, it's not, it's not just this like, you know, you do good things in the world or even you suffer, like suffering will happen regardless, but... There's something about the suffering and the doing good, the generosity, the doing good, the suffering. But 
on account of the son of man is a clause that's put as a condition on that that existence that adds a flavor do you see that in the second reading well i i see that as the very reason um that we're that we're doing this you know it's not again it's not just to be nice people to be ethical people to have a good christianity is not a good philosophy it's a it's an encounter with the risen lord and so what jesus calls us to is so radical you know we try to play it off as just you know you do you and and i'll do me but no it's 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 a radical love that is irresponsible in its giving Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh and that really upsets a lot of people right and it it upsets the person that's trying to do it because it's not a natural way of living Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you see that played out in the resurrection you know in the gratuitous gift of life that comes from the cross that blossoms in the resurrection and without that then our toil without that our suffering without that our generosity seems to be in vain i guess is that all that faith is in vain without the the cross and resurrection yeah i mean you're again jump i don't want to jump ahead to next week but you know even even sinners love those who love them back what good is that to us why follow christ if we can just be a really good person loving those that love us back that's not what that's not what he's calling us to love those that hate you (laughs) and that's how we inherit the kingdom of heaven and that is the kingdom of heaven that we are choosing to embrace the kingdom as god envisions it that this is a union of people united in their love for one another no matter what i love that you said it was illogical that so often we miss that 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 this whole thing doesn't make any sense <laughs> it's a matter of faith that you are choosing to uh step into this illogical reality where where the poor are the ones in charge <laughs> the rich are sent away empty like just it turns the whole world on its head right right yeah uh, there's a word that came to me as i was thinking about these readings a little bit and that is reversal that there, and it, it's kind of that idea that you're saying, Louis, of turning everything on its head. So th- this notion of blessing and cursing is completely backwards from what we would expect, right? That, wait a minute, if I'm laughing now, isn't that a good thing? Isn't merriment and mirth a good sign of, of you know, pleasure and of, you know, being in a good state or whatever? But no, there's a reversal. It's like, the blessing and the cursing by the standards of the world are not the standards of, of the gospel. Uh, and there's a reversal of expectation. There's a reversal of standard that even the kingdom of God, it seems to be something paradoxical, right? That the poor inherit the kingdom, that those who laugh now will weep later. Those who weep now will rejoice and laugh in the future. Yeah, that paradox or that reversal is very unique. Yeah, you know, and I think there's there's a trap here because we can see these readings and say, oh, well, I can't enjoy life. I can't enjoy this world. I can't laugh or smile or, you know, have friends. I've got to be suffering the entire time. And I think that's missing the point. I mean, obviously, I think it is missing the point entirely. Going back to what we were talking about earlier, it's who are we placing our trust in? You know, is it, am I, am I the one providing my own love, whatever that would even mean? Or am I allowing the love of God to be overflowing in my life? And is that what sustains me? in moments of great joy and happiness and a feeling of blessedness? 
and in moments where I'm truly suffering and oppressed. And uh, yeah, I think I feel like this reading really would be difficult if we believed in something like a prosperity gospel where the proof of God's love for me is my own prosperity, my own riches, my own success. And that really does not fit with Christianity. Uh, it's And it's like an American Christianity that's really taken hold of a lot of people. But I think we have to be so cautious of a Christianity that denies suffering. People sometimes miss like there's a crucifix in every church for a reason that it's to show that uh, suffering is a part of our reality and that Christ accompanies us in our own suffering. You know, a, a line that I kind of skip kind of to your point, Louis, that I, I went in the gospel, I went straight from the, the blessed parts to the woes. And I skipped over the line that says rejoice yeah, <laughs> and leap and leap for joy. Yeah. <laughs> Like I completely skipped over that. I went straight to the woes. Um, but that's your that's kind of to your point is that in the suffering there can still be joy. Like let's not misunderstand the gospel here. Like there's rejoicing in the resurrection that we live a life where we carry the cross, but knowing full well that Christ has conquered death. And here's a funny story called "We Live That Out in Our Liturgical Life." That's the Pink Sundays in Lent and mm-hmm. Advent. Those ridiculous Sundays where. The priest feels like he has to get up and say, well, it's not really pink. It's oh my rose. Gosh. Nope. It's like, yeah, it's pink, own Father. It. Just own, own it. it. Yeah. It's all right. Pink, it's pink. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, I was looking at the I was looking at the Greek. I don't know if you guys were. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but uh, that word leap in Greek is directly translated as skip. Like skip mm. with joy, which I think adds like an even uh, more irrational sense to it. That like this is really so irrational that you as an adult are just going to go skipping around. <laughs> like, I kind of love that image. Yeah, mm. I, I just have this image of like Francis of Assisi, right? Like God's court jester, God's fool, you know, and just just wanting to bring God joy by how ridiculous. I am, <laughs> or da- or da- or David dancing in front of the you know the Ark of the Covenant in uh, in Second Samuel. Um, there's just a foolishness there, which is very free. Like there's something about discipleship that is very freeing. That I can rejoice in the Lord and laugh, knowing full well that the resurrection has not left me to labor in vain. That that's, there's great consolation in that, knowing that my suffering shouldn't be a cause of despair. That I can be, I can skip with joy, even though my crosses are very heavy. And I think that I was just thinking about this, that a diocesan priest and many Jesuits, many priests have the chance to accompany people through these moments of suffering. And so if you're preaching on this, you have so many examples within your own congregation and the people that you work with and and everyone in front of you. You have so many examples of people who've gone through some real suffering, through death, through pain, through sickness, and who on the other side of it are so holy and so content. And I think that as a diocesan priest, you know, in your parish, wouldn't you want to draw attention to that, to say like, You know, when I think of the poor, when I think of those who are sad and sorrowing, 
I think of these experiences with all of you people and the privilege that it's been to walk alongside you and also to see you on the other end of it and how blessed you are through those experiences that like really in a Catholic uh, community, you get this full picture of, of what this really looks like. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really beautiful. Good, good. Any final thoughts, Jonathan? Can you land the plane for us? Um, yeah, you know, I've been trying to think about that. Um, you know, I think, like I was saying, we need to look at these Beatitudes as, in a lot of ways, a beginning. This is how we start. You know, Jesus tells the rich official, you know the commandments, follow them, do that, and then, we'll, you know, and then we'll give you more to do. So, I, yeah, I think if I were to preach on this, um, on these set of readings, I would, I would kind of focus on that. Like, this is how we begin our lives as Christians. Um, we we ex have experienced this encounter with the living Christ. What now? Mm -hmm. And this is coming. It's sure to come, right? The cross will come, but there's yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there's no reason to despair. These are the conditions. Yeah. The conditions are, yeah. I have conquered the world. You can rejoice, but you will suffer, and there will be difficulty. Mm -hmm. But it's worth it, right? Because I have conquered the world, and you can rejoice and be glad. Yeah, a mystagogy experience, if you will. I don't know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> Louis, any final thoughts? Yeah, I think that there's a sense and a call to be, you know, kind of like a excuse the trite image, but kind of a rose among the thorns. That, oh, my God. Oh, isn't that beautiful? <laughs> <laughs> All the old ladies at Mass will just eat that up. <laughs> but to be a, a rose among the thorns, to be content with the world around you. Uh, and that doesn't mean to not push for, you know, justice and to not push for uh, correcting social wrongs and things like that, but to accept the world as it is and to push forward from that point of view with a real sense of generosity that like we are called to in these beatitudes to accept uh, what we see, the suffering and the pain around us but not to be limited by it and to push through into this radical generosity that Christ is calling us to. Good. I like that. That's a good final word, Louis. What about you? For me, um, I think one thing that I would emphasize is one thing that we said earlier is the, is the point of reversal of expectation. I think that because I, I sit in my room and I, I forget to measure my life by a different standard and I get really stuck on the standards of success in school. Like I'm often, I'm, I do get worried about getting A's. Like I, I think about my grades a lot. I think about, am I going to get into grad school? I think about, you know, all that, you know, will people like me as a priest? Will I be successful as a priest? I think about those kinds of things all the time. And, and I don't think I'm alone in that, but I think those standards are those of the world. And it's like, well, Okay, but look at the gospel here, that there's a reversal going on, that the standards of the world are not the standards of Christ. And Christ is saying, look, you can rejoice and be glad even if they insult you, even if they revile you, even if you fail your classes, rejoice and be glad. For I have won that day, you know, like I've won the day for you. There's just something really hopeful for me there in that and saying, if I'm a disciple of Christ, then what is there really to worry about? Yeah, it's a good check on our ego that it doesn't get out of hand. Yeah. Indeed. Indeed. Well, good, guys. Thank you. I think this has been very good. Yeah. High five. 
Oh, oh wait. Bird, bird. Oh, wait. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Look forward to next week. All right. See ya. All right. Signing off. Take care.